Welcome to Beyond the Lines. I'm your host, Jason Davis. You can follow this podcast on Facebook at Beyond the Lines Podcast, on Instagram, Beyond the Lines Podcast, and also on Twitter at underscore Beyond the Lines. This episode is brought to you by Samified Crafts. If you're looking for that special and unique gift for a birthday, holiday, wedding, or any other event, go to SamifiedCraftShop.com. They're your one-stop shop for all your gift needs. They specialize in custom gifts at an affordable price. Not only will you find great gift ideas on SamifiedCraftShop.com, you'll also find all of your Beyond the Lines podcast t-shirts, tank tops, water bottles, and backpacks. So go to SamifiedCraftShop.com to order your merchandise and gifts. You can also follow them on Facebook at Samified Crafts. This is episode number 27, and today I'll be discussing something that all of us are either directly or indirectly affected by, and that's breast cancer. We're all in this fight together. According to the U.S. Breast Cancer Statistics, about 1 in 8 U.S. women, or 13%, will develop invasive breast cancer over the course of her lifetime. About 2,650 new cases of invasive breast cancer are expected to be diagnosed in men in 2021. A man's lifetime risk of breast cancer is about 1 in 833. As of January 2021, there are more than 3.8 million women with a history of breast cancer in the U.S. This includes women currently being treated and women who have finished the treatment. A woman's risk of breast cancer nearly doubles if she has a first-degree relative, which is a mother, sister, or daughter, who has been diagnosed with breast cancer. Less than 15% of women who get breast cancer have a family member diagnosed with it. 13% of women will be diagnosed with breast cancer in her lifetime. That statistic is so significant that there is a high chance you may know someone who has battled the disease. Maybe you're a survivor yourself. Everybody seems to have a family member or knows of someone with breast cancer. In fact, 25% of all cancers are breast cancer, according to Komen.org. Research is being done to find a cure, and athletes everywhere have had a part in bringing awareness to the issue. From high school athletes and local events to professional leagues such as the NFL, athletes are helping to bring awareness and raise money for breast cancer. Breast cancer awareness overlaps with sports in a few important ways. First, being physically fit can help reduce a woman's chance of getting breast cancer. Second, Sports teams can use their platform to promote awareness about prevention and treatment. Professional teams have been officially acknowledging Breast Cancer Awareness Month in October for years, from wearing pink breast cancer awareness socks to holding money-raising events across multiple sports, from the WNBA to the NFL are involved. So let's meet this episode's guest, who will share her breast cancer story. So my guest today is Tiffany. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for being here. So today we're talking about breast cancer. We know that this is a major topic, particularly this month, because it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And so I have you on the show today so that you can talk about your story as far as breast cancer goes and what it is that you went through. So I really appreciate you being on the show. I appreciate you asking me. You're welcome. It's definitely a topic we need to, to talk about a little bit more in society, I think. Absolutely. So before we get into your story, when you hear the words breast cancer, what is your first thought or reaction? Oh, well, first off, I'm grateful that I'm in recovery right now. And secondly, it's, it's amazing how many people I know that also have it or have had it. So it's just so prevalent. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is just how prevalent it really is. I know we see it a lot. We hear it a lot. And certainly when you look at sports in the month of October, you see a lot of pink apparel and things like that. So it's something that we should necessarily pay attention to the entire year because it is something that's really plaguing this society right now. So what are your thoughts when you see youth sports organizations to the NFL and the WNBA recognizing breast cancer awareness by wearing pink apparel? I think it's awesome. It brings an awareness to how prevalent it is. And I think it's a great reminder for people that watch those events to keep on top of everything and get themselves checked. Actually, I think it's really cool too in the NFL this year, how they're just doing the, not just breast cancer too, just recognizing all types of cancer and how crucial it is to have that early preventative checks going on so you can catch things in the early stages, especially coming out of this pandemic. A lot of people at the beginning had to put off appointments and now they're diagnosed in a much later stage of cancer than they may have been had they not postponed their appointments. So I think it's really great to bring that awareness back to the forefront. That's an excellent point. The fact that people have put off their appointments due to COVID or their appointments have been canceled because of it. So that's an excellent point. So do you think it's overdone or too commercialized with all the pink apparel and sports and things like that? Uh, maybe a little bit, but you know what? If it gets the attention and it has one person go to get a mammogram that may not have because they didn't see a t-shirt that reminded them about it or an ad on TV to prompt them to go ahead and make that appointment, then it's totally a good thing and it's worth it. Absolutely. I do not have any breast cancer t-shirts though. I will share that. <laughs> no, you don't have a t-shirt? No, I don't. Why not? I just don't. <laughs> I don't know. I do have a little pin, though, that I wear at work sometimes. Okay. So to your story, when were you diagnosed with breast cancer? Well, funny thing is, gosh, it was December 2018. I was 47 at the time, and I have rather large girls. <laughs> I did have um, an area of dense tissue that they've been keeping an eye on it since I was about 30. Three, I would say. So I had been going for mammograms for a while, since I was about 33 or 35, just to keep an eye on it. And they saw some changes. So the funny thing is, I was kind of annoyed. I had gone through the process before where they didn't get the images that they needed. And I had to go back and have a diagnostic ultrasound. So when this whole process started, I was just sort of annoyed. I was like, you know, I told her to take really good pictures because they have a hard time getting a, getting a good picture of this certain spot. And then lo and behold, there was something that did not look right. Um, so they saw some changes and some calcifications and, and went in and did a small little biopsy. And then one thing led to another. This was in my left breast and they decided, you know what? These changes that are going on, they don't look great. They've definitely come back that they're benign, but we should take this area out just to be safe so it doesn't turn into something. Again, I was being a little stubborn. It was a little inconvenient for me <laughs> to plan a surgery. <laughs> I didn't think it was necessary. Honestly, I gave my surgeon a little bit of a hard time. I was like, are you just trying to get me to pay for a surgery that I don't really need or whatnot? And it was such a blessing that she did. And she talked me into it because during that process of doing biopsies and ultrasounds and whatnot, it was getting an MRI so they could see the exact spot they needed to go into on the left. And that is actually when they found the cancer on the right because of that MRI. So 
It was in enough time that we were able to schedule surgery on both sides at the same time and be able to address the situation head on and quickly. I was at a stage 1A invasive, but it wasn't very large. I think it was like 0.4 or 0.6 millimeters, but even that little bit can certainly upend your life. So, but again, I do consider myself very, very fortunate. They caught it very early and it hadn't moved to the lymph nodes. So that's huge. So prior to being diagnosed, were you experiencing any symptoms? I was having some pain, but nothing that I chalked up to being anything unusual by any means. Honestly, I'm not great about the every single month doing the self-exam, but when I think of it, I do it. And I did notice that area was still kind of dense, but the area that the cancer was in, it was like actually in the very, very center of the breast and so small that it couldn't even be detected. It wasn't detected on the mammogram. The only way they could find that was through the MRI. So I just got really lucky being diagnosed very, very early. Okay, so prior to 2018 when you were diagnosed, uh, up to that point, how much did you really know about breast cancer? Obviously, we hear about it, we talk about it, we see it, hear and all those things, but how much did you really know about breast cancer prior to being diagnosed? Uh, not a ton, just the basics. I knew of a couple of people that had it. My paternal grandmother actually had it, but she was well into her 80s when she was diagnosed and hadn't gone and gotten a mammogram for 15 years, so... Certainly, that probably could have been caught a little bit earlier, but no, I really didn't know a ton about it, just that it was pretty prevalent. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that all of us have been either directly or indirectly affected by breast cancer. We either know someone or related to someone that has breast cancer or has had breast cancer, so it's certainly more prevalent than most people think. I would agree with you. So thinking back to the exam that you had and then the subsequent conclusive diagnosis, do you remember what your initial thought or reaction was? <laughs> yeah. And I don't think anybody that's been diagnosed with cancer will ever forget the moment that they, they hear those words. Um, I'm sorry. I need a sec. I was actually, um, my stepmom was with me. It's very good if you're going through this process to have um, someone by your side um, to come to the doctor with you if you're comfortable with that and just make sure they're soaking in all the information that <laughs> you might not be able to remember and, and taking some notes. Um, but my first gut reaction was that it was just honestly like my worst nightmare coming, coming true. I'm a single mom. I had two kids, um, one in middle school at the time and the other in high school. And they both lost their dad when they were very young, six and two years old. So for me to be diagnosed with something like cancer was kind of at the time felt like the worst case scenario coming to fruition. But that being said, even later that day, I just kind of like, I took in the news, I soaked it in, I had my moment of grieving and then I kicked into the mode of, okay, these are all the things that I need to get done to, to kick this thing in the butt and get better and move on. <laughs> so that's what I did. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point because it leads me to my next question. So how do you go from that to focusing on beating cancer and what was your motivation? Well, my motivation first and foremost was, of course, my family and my children and to be here for them. My surgeon, yeah, as she delivered the news, she was amazing. I'm really sad that she has actually left our geographical area and moved across the state because she's such an inspiration. Not only did she do an amazing job 
physically, but she was very emotionally supportive. And one of the very first things that she told me that stuck with me was your mindset and having a positive mindset can help lead to healing. And I think that's so true. And that's something that I often came back to after surgery. You know, the the recovery process was a little longer than I anticipated. And I really hadn't had, other than having my children and having C-sections, any other surgeries. So I didn't know what to expect, but I don't know, maybe I just don't have a great tolerance for pain. But whenever I would have pains, I would try to remind myself like, okay, this is your body healing. Don't freak out. Don't be negative about it. Have positive thoughts. And the more I did that, the better I felt. And so that's why I tried to keep it positive. Yeah, I think it goes a long way. It's one thing to have family by your side and being positive and trying to carry you through. But when you have your doctor who is also being positive, the one you obviously entrust in your care, being positive and trying to get you through this, I think that's an extra step that goes a long way in helping you in recovery. Absolutely. I mean, and of course, my family was thankfully they're local so they were here as a support system I had somebody to take me to surgery and stay with me the next day and some really amazing friends and colleagues that gave some really thoughtful gifts of meals and things like that that were really very helpful at a stressful time so what was it like having to tell your family of your diagnosis That was difficult. Well, as I said, my mom was in the room with me, so she found out at the same time and kind of experienced that same initial shock with me. Gosh, that's hard to remember. So I think she must have told my dad. My other set of parents live out of state, so I did have to call them. But I think the hardest was my kids, how to break the news to them. I wanted to make sure I did it at the right time. So I did wait until I knew what the full course of treatment was going to be because I wanted to be able to explain to them what to expect in the days ahead. Looking back, I'm not sure if that was the right thing to do. I didn't wait too, too long, but it was a few weeks into the process. And my teenage son at the time was very angry that I did not share with him right off the bat what was happening. And I think he did hold on to that anger for a little while. But at the end of the day, I just explained, you know, I had to do what I felt was right, what I felt was best for them. And I wanted to wait until I knew what was going to happen exactly and what those next steps were and what could they expect, you know, through the course of treatment. I was really, really fortunate that I only had to go through, um, I did surgery. I had one lymph node removed, as I mentioned. I chose not to have a mastectomy, although that option was given to me. And I felt like that was a little extreme with it being such a little bit of cancer. I was willing to go through all of this again, rather than take that drastic step right off the bat. So I just had radiation. I didn't have to go through chemo. So I was really happy to not have to go through that process as well. When were you diagnosed as cancer-free? Initially, I had to go for every six-month checkups, and they have to do that. They have to check you in the way that your cancer was diagnosed. So that means I have to go for this major mammogram. Yeah, it was, I believe it was every six months off the bat, I would have to go for follow-ups. Now it's actually been reduced to a year. So I've been two years that my scans have come back clear. So Congratulations. Thank you. So now that you're cancer-free, how often does the thought of getting breast cancer again enter your mind? Oh, it's still always there. It doesn't go away. I'm still on medication. I'm on a course of medication that I have to take for five years. So... I'm definitely not at that stage yet. So there is always that thought that it certainly it could come back, but so far so good and just got to be positive and 
Hope that it doesn't. <laughs> but if it does, at least I know what to expect this time around, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. Now that you've been diagnosed as cancer-free over the last two years, mm-hmm. what's that feeling like compared to when you were diagnosed with cancer? Oh, it's, it's, it's an awesome feeling, but there's always that anxiety. You know, I mentioned I know a lot of people that also have had their own cancer battles and quite a few of them, colleagues that have had, that work in my industry different places that have had breast cancer. And I know a few that have had reoccurrences. So you never feel like you're fully in the clear, so to speak. So there is always that that little bit of anxiety running in the background. But you know what? I've seen them come back after being diagnosed a second time too, a few of them, and kick cancer's butt again. So it's also very inspiring. Absolutely. Absolutely. So finally, what advice would you give those who have been diagnosed with breast cancer and are fighting to become cancer-free? I would say first and foremost, just stay as positive as possible. Take care of your mind. Take care of your body. Take care of yourself. You have to do that before you can take care of others. And make sure you have a good support system around you. And if for some reason you don't, there are some really, really amazing resources available through the hospitals and things too that can be a great support system throughout the process. Well, Tiffany, I will leave it there, and I thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for joining the show and letting us know what it is that you went through, and hopefully your story will be able to help someone else. That's the goal. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for being on. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Once again, I'd like to thank Tiffany for joining the show and sharing her story. So what are the three takeaways from today's episode? Number one, have a great support system. Number two, Take care of yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally. And number three, be diligent with your self-checks and yearly exams. I would personally like to say to all those who have or are going through breast cancer, don't quit, keep fighting, and my prayers are with you. That concludes episode number 27. If you enjoy this podcast, I ask that you subscribe. If you enjoy this episode, I ask that you share it with a friend. Please tune in next week for the next episode. And as always, Thanks for listening. Take care.